Judges chapter 14, I, I look at the time and what all we want to accomplish today, and I, I want to try to be mindful of that and the, keeping the sermon the right length. That reminds me of uh, the time the pastor was shaving in the morning and he cut himself. And he put a Band-Aid on it and he was so embarrassed about it. He went to church and he was just so com- self-conscious about it, he just felt like he needed to let the church know what happened. So he said, as I was thinking about the message this morning... He said, I cut my face, and that's what happened. Uh, Later that day, he received a note from the treasurer in the offering. And he looked at the note, he opened it up, and said, Pastor, next time, try thinking more about cutting your sermon than your face. Okay, And so we'll try to do that this morning. And uh, I know you may have heard that before, but it never gets old. And uh, Judges chapter 14, verse 18, if you found that, if you could stand to your feet, uh, we'll get ready to uh, uh, read God's word this morning. And, of course, uh, get into the message. We'll finish up 14 and get through uh, about half of 15 today. Uh, The Bible says there in verse number 18 of chapter 14, And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? Of course, they're answering uh, Samson's riddle. And what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If you have not plowed with my heifer, Ye had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as a friend. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, And he said, I will go in to my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, and I pray thee instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now I shall be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good. Uh, to be in your house this morning. Thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people. What a blessing they are, uh, not just in the 8.30 service, but in Sunday school, and of course then, of course, the 11 o'clock service. And so many people have come already to church today, Lord, wanting to hear from you, your word. And I pray that they'll be mindful that the messenger here would love to get out of the way and just have you preach, Lord. And so I pray that you'll just preach through me. I need you, God. i got to have you. Lord, I'm just a man. I'm just a human. But I would love for you to supernaturally speak through me. And may your word penetrate hearts. May it make a difference and impact lives. Be with us as we um, commemorate the Lord's Supper later. I pray you'll may that be a special time of remembrance for us. Be with the nursery and the teens and the kids next door. Uh, Be with those online tuning in this morning that just uh, would love to be here but can't. Due to, Lord, uh, out of town or maybe uh, health-wise or work, I pray that they'll know that they're loved and appreciated. I pray that you'll meet with us today like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The story is told of a woman who was bitten by a mad dog and looked as if she was going to die of rabies. So the doctor told her she should make her will. Uh, Taking her pen and paper, she began to write. And she wrote and wrote and wrote. And the doctor finally came to her and said, what, What's taken you so long? That's the longest wool I've ever seen. And she looked at the doctor and kind of snorted and said, ha, 
No, no, no. This isn't a will. This is a list of people I'm going to bite before I die. And uh, uh, we see this morning a similar type situation. Uh, Samson here is mad. He's frustrated and he's upset the Philistines, which by design is what God really wanted him to be. But he's not mad for the right reasons. Uh, he's not mad because they have uh, provided or caused his people to be under a bondage. They're not mad because uh, uh, God wants him to go and defeat him. He's mad because of his own selfish reasons and how he got himself into situations. And this morning I want us to see just a few things from Samson's life and how he dealt with revenge, how he dealt with bitterness, how he uh, dealt with hate, how he dealt with uh, frustrations. Um, last week we saw his bright beginning. Of course, he had uh, just a wonderful upbringing. His parents had a spiritual focus we mentioned last week. Uh, we see he had a divine calling from the highest possible authority. He had the divine enablement of the Holy Spirit power on his life. But in the end, his revenge becomes a very bitter thing. And uh, of course, it reminds me of a, of a man who had it all, but didn't seem to quite pan out. Uh, there was a boy, a little boy, he asked his dad one day, he said, Dad, did you go to Sunday school every week when you were a kid? His father replied, I sure did, son. The little boy thought for a moment and then looked at his dad and said, I'll bet it won't help me or do me any good either. And that's a sad statement. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes kids will say things and, and sometimes they're, they're too true. Uh, but Samson's that type of man. Uh, he had it all. He had gotten the right schooling, if you will. He'd gotten the right training. He had probably gone to whatever Sunday school they would have had back then. He, he had all the teachings. The Word of God was clearly taught to him. But yet, he ends up finding his own path and his own selfish pleasures instead of the path that God would have him on. But we do see that God still used his sinful pleasure past he did to accomplish the greater good. And God will always find a way to get his will accomplished. It's far better, though when we just allow him to have our heart, allow him to work through us. So, number one, if you're writing this morning, we see Samson's retreat. Samson's retreat. We have just four points. I'll try to hasten through them. First of all, we see the spark of his anger. The Bible says there in verse number 18, And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. Now, what an interesting verse. And I am not going to really go deeply into that one, okay? Uh, but the case being was, he was at uh, this marriage, or this really this bachelor party. It's a seven-week program, procedure. Maybe you've been to a wedding that's several hours long. You think, man, is this about done? I mean, try doing it for a week. And uh, here they are. They're getting bored. He creates this riddle. And he says, if you will figure out the meaning of this riddle, I will give you 30 changes of garments, which was very expensive, it wasn't like an outfit today. You may have many outfits, depending on how large your closet is today. Um, but uh, in this particular case, a festive uh, 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 outfit that you would wear to like a wedding was very expensive. So to have 30 of them would be you're a very wealthy man. And so Samson had no way at all he was going to come through on his game if he lost. And he was doing pretty good until the Philistines went to his soon-to-be wife and said, Hey, you better tell us and get the answer to the riddle from him or else we're going to burn you and your father's house. And so she cozies up to uh, Samson and basically gets him to give in. And uh, finally she, he gives the answer of the riddle. And uh, of course they get the answer and he's ticked. 
We see the spark of his anger, which led to the satisfying of his anger. Verse number 19, the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now keep in mind, the reason why the Spirit of the Lord came upon him is because he was about ready to do what God originally wanted him to do. Not get his gambling debts paid off, but to defeat the Philistines. And so the Bible says he slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave changes of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. So he pays his gambling debt. Then his anger is kindled. So what does he do? He goes back home to his father's house. He calms down. And he goes to get back to where he needs to be. And may I say, uh, we must be careful with our anger. It's an emotion given by God. We must be careful when people do things to us that we don't like. We don't think we deserve it. We don't think it's right. We must be careful how we respond. It's much better to respond as Jesus Christ did. The Bible says when he was reviled, he reviled not. In his letter to his friends, the hymn writer Wendell P. Lovelace related this story. One evening, a speaker who was visiting the United States wanted to make a telephone call. And he went into the phone booth and he couldn't figure out how to turn the light on. And he couldn't see his number, he couldn't see the dial, and he's so frustrated. Finally, a man walked by and says, hey, what, what, what's wrong? He goes, I can't see, turn this light on. The man says, oh, all you got to do is shut the door. So the man shut the door and... To his amazement and satisfaction, the booth was filled with light. And may I say in a similar way, when we draw aside in a quiet place to pray or spend time with our God, we must block out our busy world and our open hearts to the Father. So we see Samson's retreat. Really what I feel like we can learn from this part is simply this. There's times in our life where we just need to retreat, get away from it all. And maybe it's just a walk down the road. Maybe it's going up to the mountain. Maybe it's going to go, whatever it is for you. But finding that time where you can have that sweet time with God. May I encourage us today, as Jesus did in Luke 6, 12, and it came to pass in those days, then he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. There's something about getting away from it all to get in touch with God. Brother Mutcher has often said how in the city it's hard sometimes to do that. You don't see the stars. It's busy, there's noise, but there's times you just need to get out. And get alone with God. So we see Samson's retreat. But second of all, if you're writing this morning, we see Samson's return. Samson's return. So Samson's finally calmed down. He's got his head on straight, or so we think. But then he, instead of getting right with God and getting back on track, he goes back to finalize the plan and complete the marriage, if you will. And so we see in verse number one, but it came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest. And so it's, it's harvest time. This is the time when... Uh, it's more of a festive time. There's, there's celebrations going on and he goes to consummate the marriage. And after a time, his anger cools off and he wants to amend with his bride. And so he brings her a nice present. You say, what is that? The Bible says a kid. No, not a child, okay. <laughs> a baby goat. Now, I know. Every woman in here, your heart's throbbing right now. You just want your husband, when he's in the doghouse, to come home with a little baby goat, right? Now, in those days, that was like probably chocolates and roses, right? <laughs> you know. But can you imagine coming in down? He's like, all right, let's make things right here. You know, here you go, honey. Here's your own little goat. You can take care of it. You can clean up, you know, the mess. And you can feed it. Am I not just a charming guy? You know, can you imagine? So he goes down. This is his plan. He's going to go and finalize the marriage, get everything ready. He's going to bring his bride back home. But notice with me the problem. In verse number one, it says, 
I will go into my wife. So he goes to his father-in-law. He says, I'm going to go into my wife into the chamber, really the wedding night, if you will. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that you had utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Could you imagine? What a mean father-in-law. You know, here he comes home to get his soon-to-be wife and get everything official. And he goes and his father says, no, you can't come in. What? I paid you a dowry. Uh, I did all the right, proper channels. My dad came here, worked everything out. Why won't you let me come in? I thought you hated my daughter. So I gave her to your best man in the wedding. I gave her to your companion. And it, her dad's thinking, Israelite law, if, you, uh, uh, if, you, uh, uh, if the, the woman has adult, commits adultery with a, or lays with another man, then, then you, you're out of the marriage. You don't, you're not legally part of it anymore. But Samson, that's not good enough for him. He's, he's, he's mad. Not so much that he left a wife, that he gave her to one of the men in his bridal party, by the, one of the men who actually deceived him and made him lose his bet. And so he's frustrated, and her dad has a great proposal. So we see the plan, the proposal, and verse 2, is not her younger sister fairer than she? What a classic dad. You know, can you imagine? What twisted this, you know? And I gave your wife away, but don't worry. Her younger sister is even prettier than her. You can have her. What dad does that, you know? And the father offers a prettier younger sister, and, and man, Samson's just frustrated. Reminds me of the story Adam and God were having a conversation about a mate. And Adam says, God, uh, I want a mate. And God says, I can give you the perfect companion but it will cost you an arm and a leg. Adam said, well, that's a bit much, don't you think? What can I get for a rib? You know, anyways, uh, Samson is learning a valuable lesson in a very hard way. He is learning that you can't trust the Philistines. Samson has been cheated three different ways. He lost his bet with the Philistines, and they threatened his wife for death. The dowry that Samson has paid for the woman, of course, we don't see him getting it back in Scripture. The wife has been taken away from him and given to another man. And we see he's starting to realize these Philistines don't play very nice. They're not very nice to me. Now, keep in mind, they, they're used to seeing each other. They're, 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 they're in such familiar territory that the children of Israel don't even realize they're in bondage. Okay, So it's not like, the Philist, like we look at this and say, Samson, what a doofus you are. No, they're so used to being around each other, they, they think we're friends. And may I say, oftentimes in Scripture, God warns his people against forming close relationships with the unsaved people. 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul reminds us, being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. And so we, have, we were reminded to be careful of our relationships. The wrong kind of relationships can have a devastating effect on your own spiritual condition. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. We have to be careful how close we get uh, to those. They can lead us astray. Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The kind of people we want to have around us are the type that will help us grow stronger in our relationship with the Lord in a perfect world. Hebrews 10, 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Iron sharpeneth iron, 
show a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, the Bible says. Sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. The principle here isn't saying we should totally separate ourselves from the world because we're, we're here to share the gospel. And I, I'll say some of my closest friends in life now are people who I've led to Christ and discipled and helped grow in the Lord. What a blessing they are. So it's not saying we shouldn't have relationships with them. It is saying how we let them affect us and influence does matter. We have to be careful how influenced we are from the world. Uh, We need to understand that we need to choose God over everything. Walter Knight told of an old Scottish woman who went home to home selling buttons and threads and shoestrings. And she came to an unmarked crossroad. Every time she would do this to say which way to go, she would throw a stick in the air, and whichever way it landed, that's the direction she would go. One day, she was seen tossing up the stick several times. Someone stopped by and says, what in the world are you doing? She says, well, I keep throwing the stick in the air because it keeps going on the side of the road I don't want to go on. (laughs) And how oftentimes does that happen in the Christian life? We know the right way to go. The Bible's very clear about it. You know, we've been taught, right? I mean, we know which way to go, but yet our flesh, the world never keeps pulling at us. And Samson here is struggling. May I encourage you to be careful who you allow influence you. During World War II, Eddie Rickenbacker was one of the most famous Army aviators in World War I. So he was appointed a special consultant to Secretary of War Henry Stimson. And his task was to inspect the different theaters of war. And he was on a tour in 1942, and him and seven companions were shot down. And the, and the story goes, for 24 terrifying days, they drifted on a lifeboat until they were rescued by a Navy plane. And after his recovery from the ordeal, Rickenbacker said this, Let the moment come when nothing is left but life. And you will find that you do not hesitate over the moment when nothing is, uh, 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 hesitate over the fate of material possessions. What Rickenbacker realized was nothing on earth was important enough in the end. What was most important was his relationship with God. And I want to encourage you today, like Samson struggled with this, and pulled everywhere. Why don't these people accept me? Why aren't they nice to me? I'll tell you the one reason. Because you're an Israelite. You're under the new covenant. You're associated with God. And there's sometimes, no matter how nice you are to people, they won't associate with you because of one reason. You associate and you love your God and you love Jesus Christ. I want to encourage us today to not fall to the traps of Satan. And Samson here struggled in his retreat, his return. But third of all, I want us to see Samson's revenge. Samson's revenge. This is probably the most... uh, familiar thing, if you will, in the story. But the Bible says in verse number three, we see his motivation for revenge. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Samson is concerned uh, about himself and what they've done to him. He's not going after the Philistines because he's motivated by their oppressing his people Israel. He's not attacking the Philistines because he's motivated by what God had raised him up to do and he wants to do what God has for him. He's not uh, defeating the Philistines because uh, his people are in bondage. He's attacking the Philistines for one reason, how he has been treated. 
And that is what revenge is. Revenge is when you let what you do to others motivate you in the wrong way because of what they've done to you. And what about your motivations today? What motivates you for the cause of Christ? Well, I hope it's like 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm thankful this morning. I, and I mean this with all my heart. During the week, so many people are so busy doing so much great things around our church. And I wish I could get to every single person and thank them properly. Uh, you say, Pastor Justin, why is that? Well, because I was a church planner. I know what it's like to vacuum, set up chairs, uh, clean the toilets, and then go prepare a message and then go knock doors and make sure someone's there to hear it the next week. I've done it all. And I appreciate what every single person does. Whether you change those stinky diapers. I know some of you just love that. No, you do it because you love the Lord. And some of you work so hard studying, preparing lessons, and, and picking up garbage, and cleaning up. Why do we do all that? So Pastor Justin will say, good job. No. You do it for one reason. Because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because you love your Lord. And you want to serve Him. And so we see this morning, our motivations should be the right motivation. We see His methods. His methods were a little bit crazy. The Bible says in verse 4, And Samson went and caught 300 foxes. So he's ticked. He's going to take care of these Philistines. He's going to hit them where it hurts. And the Bible says he took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst of between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn. Now keep in mind that in verse number one, it says it's in the time of harvest. The wheat is. The corn, the wheat, the vineyards. Everything's drying out. It's, it's, it's ready for water. It's getting ready to be harvested. It's perfect time of year to not burn. Okay. And we know a little bit about that in the summertime. Burn season. Don't burn. Why? Because you could burn everything up. It's so dry. And that's the time of the year it is. So he thinks, hey, I, I'm going to really hit them words. I'm going to destroy their economic uh, uh, infrastructure here. And so he catches 300 foxes. Now, I'm just going to throw this out here because some of you love details, and I was enamored by it. Uh, it probably wasn't foxes like you and I are thinking about. In fact, foxes in the Palestine area are very uh, territorial, and there's only a few in the whole region. Uh, if you look at the Hebrew word for foxes, you'll see it's jackal, which is like a wild dog and similarities to a fox. And they actually travel in packs. And so being able to... By the way, I've never collected a, a passel of jackals or a passel of foxes. But I imagine it'd be easier to, 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 to catch the jackals and the foxes. And they have very uh, fluffy tails. And so they tied them together and they burned them. By the way, the tail would probably grow back in case you're worried. All right? But anyways, he'd let them go and they go through the fields. And, and keep in mind that Samson could have done this all himself, but it was way more effective and way quicker to destroy everything. And these, fo- these jackals were just, these foxes were just running like crazy, running everywhere. And there's this huge tumult. And the Philistines come out and say, oh no, what just happened? We're going to starve this fall this winter. God is behind all this. Now, Samson's not doing it for the right reasons. 
but God's sure going to use it. We see his methods and we see his miscalculation. Of course, Samson's probably thinking, okay, that's done. They're, they're paying for what they did to my uh, 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 giving away my, my wife. I'm just going to go back home. But no, no, no. Verse 6, And the Philistine said, Who hath done this? And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timonite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. So instead of taking care of Samson, they try to get Samson where it hurts. We're going to kill your, would have been your wife, we're going to kill her family, we're going to burn him alive. These Philistines are so twisted. By the way, that is what sin and selfishness can do to you. Make you just respond and act, and maybe those you know react. So why are they doing that? Because they're, they're, they're not seeing straight. And they act like cowards, and they burn them alive. The Philistines are not playing fair. They are ruthless. In 1896, Norman Kid McCoy was the Walter White boxing champion. And in one of his fights, he learned that his opponent was deaf in one ear. And so he thought, if I can just get one hammer blow to that ear, I will win this fight. And, uh, of course, what an unsportsmanlike thing to do. But nearing the round, it was getting to the end. McCoy had done a good job of not, or the, 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 his opponent had done a good job of protecting his ear. But right about when the bell rang, he, he snuck one in there and he just nailed him. And, and of course, McCoy ended up winning the fight. It wasn't fair, but it was very effective. I just want to encourage us today, teenagers, young adults, and you know, all of us, that there's someone else who doesn't play fair ever. No matter how uh, uh, beautiful he looks as a serpent giving the fruit to Eve, no matter how uh, uh, kind he, or how great, he never plays fair, and that is Satan. The devil is out to get you as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And may I say this morning that the truth that revenge has a tendency to escalate. It's never God's will for us to seek revenge against those who hurt us. I've been hurt in my ministry. No doubt you've been hurt. We've all been hurt before. Uh, sometimes I've wished I could redo things. I'm sure you have too. You just think, why, why couldn't ah, I wish I could have just done things a little differently? But may I say today that the way to respond to someone's revenge on you is not to gossip not to spread rumors, not to try to ruin them. No, the best way is just to allow God to take care of it. While checking his bags at at the airport one day, a man was being very rough on the young man who was taking his bag attendant, and he was just being very uh, unkind and saying some mean things. And just belligerent. And the young man just kept his mouth shut and, and kept doing his business. And finally the man left and a lady came up to him and said, Man, how in the world do you deal with someone like that? And why didn't you say anything? He says, Oh, oh no, no, no need to say anything. He says, It's actually really easy. He said, You see, that guy's going to New York, but his bags are going to Brazil. And, uh, you know, we all sometimes struggle... Uh, with revenge, and sometimes we get back quietly, right? Um, but we see Samson's retreat, we see Samson's return, we see Samson's revenge. But last of all, we see Satan, Sam, Satan, Samson, Samson's. By the way, I just have to get this off my chest. Last week it said Samson in the outline. How many noticed that? 
Three of you, good, okay. And I guess I didn't even need to say it. Uh, one of the most important ones to notice it was my lovely wife. And as I said, How, what did you learn from the message today? She says, well, that Samson is not spelled with a P. I said, oh, thank you very much. And uh, she, she was very kind as well, okay. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, so I think we got it right today, okay. Now you're arguing, you know. And you will find a grammatical area, I promise. Because I didn't, Matt, I didn't uh, go to school for English, okay. But anyways, um, uh, I, I do try my best, all right. So we see his retaliation. And the Bible says, and he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. Now, the Bible says he, hit, he smote them hip and thigh, and you really, if you study that out, it simply means a total and absolute slaughter. And oftentimes, retaliation can be the same way in our lives. I was reading this uh, this week, and I, you know, once again, I'm, I'm reading what, what, what I studied. Scientists have determined that there is a part of the brain that produces feelings of pleasure and satisfaction that is stimulated when we act in revenge. In fact, they believe it's part of our human nature. But may I say today, we must remember, no matter how gratifying it may feel, that the word of God tells us in Romans twelve nineteen, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We have to leave it up to God. Uh, we see the reasons for his retaliation, for this rampage. Bible says in verse 7, And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. After that I will cease. Samson's all about being avenged. It's not about the Lord. It's not about his nation. It's not about the injustices of the Philistines toward the people of God. It's all about Samson and himself. I will be avenged of you. And oftentimes, that's what revenge will cause us to do. Appeasing ourself, our pride, our feelings, um, the need to get even. And it's all about how we feel about what's been done to us. But may I say today, and this is the hardest thing, I've dealt with, I've struggled with this in my life. No doubt you have too. But God has a better way. Instead of taking matters into our own hands, may we just leave them in his hands. Instead of attacking those who attack us, as God's word says, we should pray for them, love them, and be good to them. Instead of seeking revenge, we should thank the Lord that we have been counted worthy to suffer with him, the Bible says. Instead of attacking others, may we learn how to have full and free forgiveness as Jesus has. Who was reviled, he reviled not. Who, what did he say on the cross right before he died? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As 100,000 fans watched years ago, in a famous NASCAR race, Richard Petty and did a 45-race losing skid, and picked up at that time was stock car racing's biggest purse, 73500 I'm sure it's way bigger now. But it all happened in the Daytona 500 in 1979. Uh, Petty's win was a complete surprise. He was in third place. Uh, the story goes he was 30 seconds behind, a half a lap behind. There was no way he was going to catch up. But about toward the finish line, Cale Yarborough, the driver of the car in second place, tried to pass Donnie Allison and the lead car in the final stretch. And he started to drift inside and force Yarborough into the infield grass. And instead of finishing the race, they both got off the road and screeched to a halt in the grass and started 
wailing each other with fist fights. And the story goes on. And by the way, I did not see this. I'm, I'm reading a story here. Richard Petty drove right by and secured first place. Donnie Allison got his revenge. But in the end, it was certainly bitter and not sweet. And you never get even when you seek revenge. All you will do is make the problem worse for you and everyone involved. How much better is it to be like Jesus instead of Samson? What does he say in Isaiah 53, 7? You know, you've heard it. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Do you realize this morning that Jesus was mistreated? He was beguiled. He was mocked. He was lied about. Rumors were flying. People, the Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. Do you realize this morning that Jesus was willing to face revenge? He was willing to face rampage. He was willing to face anger, bitterness, frustrated people who didn't understand, didn't even want to take the time to understand them. They hated him. And he went to the garden of Gethsemane and, and prayed and wept tears. And then he says, Father, if you're will, then I'll, I'll do it. And so he went to the cross. He was beaten. He was mutilated. He didn't even look like a man. His blood was shed. And he was nailed to an old rugged cross. And he could barely pull himself up enough to get breath. And he had to bear that cross up to Calvary. And he didn't even look like a man, the Bible says. He had been beaten so badly. And yet when the one thief was making fun of him and mocking him, the other thief, Jesus Christ, said, Today you'll be with me in paradise because he believed on him. Even when, in his worst possible physical state, Jesus still cared about the other thief. When he said, I thirst, they put uh, vinegar and, and they put stuff in his mouth. And, and, and he still didn't condone. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then as he gave up the ghost, the Bible says, he cried out, it is finished. What was he saying? He had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And even though he, we didn't deserve it, Jesus went to the cross for you and me. Do you realize today your sin is keeping you from the Savior? And if you are a sinner, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your sin is keeping you from God. You must realize that I have no hope without Jesus. I need to invite him in my life. I'll never forget the day when I realized that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. You say, what did you do, Pastor Justin? I simply responded to the Savior's call. My mom got to lead me to Christ under one of our speakers in our church in Burn, Indiana. I remember kneeling there, crying out to God for forgiveness, and Jesus saved my soul. Maybe this morning you don't know Christ. Maybe you've tried to be good enough. you tried to do good things. You've gone to church. You tried your best, but it's just not good enough. What does it take? It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wants to save you. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'll be honest with you. I, I thought I was doing good enough, but Jesus did all that for me. He didn't retaliate. He didn't try to punch him in the face. He didn't try to stand up for himself. He simply just went to the cross for me. 
I could have never done that. You're right, none of us could have. But Jesus Christ could. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if we'll just take a moment and just pause where we're at. How many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I sure would like to know. If Jesus was willing to do that for me, I'll gladly let him come into my life and save me. I'll confess of my sin. I'll repent of my thinking. And I'll, I'll trust on Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I want to invite Jesus in my heart. Would you slip up your hand this morning? I see that hand. Maybe there's someone else this morning. In the balcony, maybe. I saw that hand. God bless you. Maybe down below, you say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life. Anybody else this morning? I see that hand in the balcony. I want to encourage you today to say this in your heart. This is what I did. It wasn't my prayer that saved me. It was me crying out to God and believing on him. Just say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to go there, though. Lord, I believe and trust in you. Please forgive me of my sin. And come into my heart so I can go to heaven when I die. I repent of my way of thinking and invite you into my life. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip up your hand real quick? God bless you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Thankful for those who invited Jesus Christ in their life today. By the way, Jesus said it and he meant it. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon him, Lord, shall, not maybe, but shall be saved. Jesus Christ just saved you. You are now going to heaven if you invited Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe there's someone today that say, Pastor Justin, I, there's someone I need to forgive. There's someone in my heart today I need to forgive. There's some things I need to let go. But it's so hard. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me this morning? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? Pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone that would say, you know, Pastor Justin, I need to repent of some things I've said to others. I, I, someone has done me wrong and I've let the whole world know but them. And God touched my heart this morning to be careful what I say. Maybe that's you this morning. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone today who would say, Pastor Justin, I need to turn away some, from some vengeance. I haven't done anything, but I've sure thought some things. Will you pray for me that God will help me with my thoughts? If that's you, please up your hand. Maybe there's someone else this morning, I see those hands, who would say, Pastor Justin, I'm bearing a burden today. I'm carrying a load. I'm just dealing with some things, financial things, some relationship issues, some things at work, some things that, you know, my kid's life. I'm just really struggling. It's not really anything to do with the message, but my heart's just heavy today. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. God sees your hands. God knows your hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. The Bible says, But let a man examine himself. And today, as we get ready for the Lord's Supper, this is one of the ordinances of our church. This is something that we do on a regular basis here. I invite everyone to be a part of this who is saved, who knows for sure they're going to heaven. 
and it's a child of God, baptized. And you would say, but this verse tells us, let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. My last thing today is, maybe there's someone in this room, and you don't need to raise your hand for this. This is something that you just get along with God about. But how many would say in your heart, Pastor Justin, I need to examine myself, and the Holy Spirit's put something on my heart that I need to get right right now. This is what we're going to do for our invitation today. It's going to be really different than we normally do. But I'm going to have a word of prayer here. And then we'll get ready. Our men will come forward for the, for the Lord's table. But before we do that, let's try to practice what this verse says as the Lord delivered this unto Paul and he delivers it unto us. And let's examine ourselves and pray and take care of that very thing God just touched your heart about. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Lord, there is hands all over today. Thank you for those who gave their life to you today. What a blessing, Lord. What an exciting thing. Lord, I'm rejoicing with them. The greatest decision they've ever made in their life. Know them for sure they're going to heaven. Please help them on their journey. Be with those who are struggling with needing to forgive someone or needing to let some things go. Help them. Be with those who are harming others by their words or their actions. May they stop that. May you help them get right. Or we try to sometimes hurt someone. We're actually hurting ourselves more. It's like trying to crush a piece of glass. The harder we try to break it, the more it's going to cut us up. So I pray you help them. Be with those who need to turn away from vengeance, bad thoughts maybe. Be with those who you've touched their heart and they're examining their heart right now. They're, They're praying to you right now. They're trying to get some things right. I pray you help them to do that. And I pray you'll bless this time of Lord, as we reflect on what you did for us on Calvary, Lord, the precious blood that was shed and your body that was broken for us, we sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If our men could come forward that are helping with the Lord's table today, uh, we're going to get ready to do this. This is something we have planned in the service. Uh, We're going to go ahead and do this at this time, a very serious time in our church. This is a time where we reflect on what Christ has done for us. And I invite you to join us today. Men, you can go ahead and get going and and begin that. As they get ready to pass these out, let's remember, of course, the bread. Let's remember what Jesus Christ went through on Calvary for us. And as we do that this morning, let's spend some time reflecting that in our hearts and our prayers as the men begin.
The Bible says there, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And of course, we know as we hold this wafer in our hand, this is not really the body of Christ. This is simply a symbol. It shows a portrait of what Christ did for us. And so we reflect today what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And if you'll join me in prayer as we thank God for what he did for us. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. And thank you for your willingness to go to Calvary for us. We know it was not easy. Lord, you left the splendors of heaven. You came to us, but yet so many rejected you. Lord, how difficult that must have been for you. Lord, to be rejected even from your own father, as he had to turn his back as you took all the sins of mankind on you. Lord, as you were beaten, as you Lord, had to bear that cross, as you were nailed to the cross, as you had to take the mocking and the humility you had to face, but you did it all for us so that we can have a home in heaven one day. Thank you for what you did for us on Calvary. May we never forget it. In Jesus' name, amen. This time the men will come through with the the grape juice, of course, once again, a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And as they pass this out, may we reflect and may we spend some time in prayer thanking God for his precious blood he shed for us.
the Bible continues on and says there, And after the same manner, he also took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as you oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we drink this, we remember the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed for our sins. The Bible says, About the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ is willing to do that for us. And let's thank him. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you for being willing to shed your blood on Calvary. Lord, thank you for being willing to go to the cross. Lord, thank you for willing to redeem us from our sin. Thank you for being willing to give us a way out, though we deserved hell. Lord, may we be eternal grateful for what you did. May it motivate us to our love for you and our service to you. May we not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because you weren't ashamed to go to the cross for us. And please help us today as a church to remember and reflect. And Lord, may it also help stir us and move us to do more for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, feel free to put those in the seat back in front of you. We'll come and collect those later today. Uh, thank you, men, for helping today and for preparing all this. Uh, what a blessing and a, a joy you are to our church and up here. Um, at this time, we're going to show a video of some upcoming events. Uh, keep in mind that uh, the Starting Point class will start soon after this, down in the Abundant Life classroom. Myself and Brother Jamie are getting, looking forward to getting to know you and talk a little bit with you, those who are coming to that. Um, also, uh, don't forget that uh, tonight, uh, Brother Cameron will be preaching, and then I'll be filling in for Brother Mutcher on Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to preaching an important message as well. So. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special sermon from our young adult pastor, Cameron Howell. Don't forget to join us this morning following the 11 a.m. service for our starting point class. Explore membership at Grandview, find out more about growing in your relationship with Christ, and get connected with our church. Enjoy a delicious meal while learning how to take your next step in your journey of faith here at Grandview. The Amazing Race Teen Activity for 6th through 12th graders will be Thursday, May 18th at Grandview. The activity will start in the Abundant Life Room at 6 p.m. We will be divided into teams and each team will be racing each other to complete a list of challenges. The cost for this activity is only $5 and pizza will be provided. The activity will end at 8.30 p.m. And for questions or more information, please see TJ Gardner. Our Mother's Day service at Grandview is next Sunday, May 14th. Every adult lady who is present will receive a special gift, and on this Sunday we will also be holding a baby dedication. If you would like to commit your child to the Lord in this service, please sign up at the welcome desk in the foyer. Don't miss our annual ladies' conference Friday and Saturday, May 19th and 20th. The cost is only $25 and we'll have special speakers, Kathy Bailey, Molly Aldis, and our very own Vicki Mutchler. Don't miss this great time of fellowship and Bible teaching. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. God bless you. I hope you have a great day and you are dismissed. Mm-hmm.